This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the World's Best Construction Podcast. We're adding an extra bonus episode into your feed this week because uh, we want to do a special talking about construction's mental health crisis in the context of everything that's going on in this space right now uh, and the new Get Construction Talking initiative, a worldwide initiative we're about to launch this week. We want to unpack a bit more around this industry issue and kind of explore what led us to try and make a difference to it through that Get Construction Talking initiative and really, I think some of the wider context that I've experienced in this space, and I know many others have experienced in this space over recent years. And the goal here is, as I said, to really shine a light on this issue. It's a silent pandemic in the industry. It affects people right across this industry, but it's not talked about and it needs more exposure. So that's the plan on this episode. It's a special episode of the podcast. As always, I'm joined by Luke Bly and Liam Marsh. Are you strapped in and ready for a special, guys? Yes, mate. Yes, mate. Looking forward to it. I know this is really important to yourself personally, Fred, mate. So I'm looking forward to hearing more on that. Um, And I think it's really important that this is a starting point for this sort of conversation in the industry as a whole. So yeah, hopefully this inspires some action from that perspective. Yeah, I, I'm really excited, guys, to talk about this. I think it's um, just echoing what you both said. It's such a serious and important issue that you know needs more attention. And I think uh, the B1M as a whole is uniquely positioned to use our reach and influence to lead and move the dial on this issue globally. So, um, yeah, really, really excited, guys. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. It's a, I mean, excitement might be the right word, but I, I do feel genuinely excited about it. I feel excited by using the power of what we've built with the B1M um, and the reach that Procore are bringing to this as well as our, as our main kind of founding partner with it to really shine a light, as I said, on this industry issue, this issue that isn't this isn't isn't widely known about but should be known about because it affects everyone on almost every construction site worldwide, it feels like. So, um, yeah, it's good that we are doing this. I hope that from this, uh, it makes a difference. And if it only makes a difference to one person, for me, that'll be worth it um, and it will have been worth doing. I think it's probably worth giving a bit of a bit of context to understand where this has come from. Because I think for people looking at this, it might feel like just another mental health initiative or, you know, another publisher doing something in mental health or they're jumping on the bandwagon in some way. Um, but that that really isn't the case. Uh, I want to kind of give you the the full context of of my journey um to understand and help you understand how we got to where we are with launching Get Construction Talking. So Long story short, I loved building things as a kid. You guys all know that. I've talked about it many times. Uh, loved Lego when I was younger. Loved building stuff. Loved building uh, 
dens in the garden, pillow forts. In fact, pillow forts have come back into my life now as I've got older. I've got a couple of kids now, so my pillow <laughs> fort skills are um, <laughs> being, being properly honed. Do you have pillow forts in Australia, Liam? We do, mate. They're not um they're not restricted <laughs> by borders. <laughs> <laughs> you get the you get the chairs and you get the sheet. Build a little tent around the TV when you're little. Watch oh, the movies. Or when, mid, or when you're in your mid thirties, just saying. Hey, yeah. but- I, do, I do that with my puppy on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. But I guess I, as I was growing up, I always understood the ability of construction to enable other things to happen. Obviously, not in those formal terms when I was a kid. But looking back now, I knew that building stuff was a as a way to enable other stuff to happen. That's why I fell in love with the industry. So uh, I followed the followed my love for building things through school and then through university. And then I joined the industry, found that the industry was very misunderstood. You know, my friends and family were like, what are you doing? Why have you gone to work in construction? When are you going to go and get like a, a proper job? The rest of us are all, you know, going off into banking, politics and law and finance and all these sort of things. And you've gone into construction, which is very strange. So mm. I wanted to kind of, get people to see the industry the way i saw it and that's how i started the b1m so i started uh producing videos in my spare room in the evenings and weekends they are self-made self-edited videos that still exist on the internet uh they're terrible to be quite frank one of them was uh built with animation in powerpoint and then converted to video i mean just just <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely dire stuff um but they they took off they became successful uh, I chipped away for a number of years. I was able to go full time in the B1M the same month my son was born. My wife has just about forgiven me for. Um, and then from there, we've 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 built almost Liam joined and things massively took off. Uh, the sales side of the company <laughs> took off. The financial side took off. Um, and we're now seventeen people. And what's incredible now is that we've got, as I said, seventeen people across three continents. We have got videos being filmed all around the world we filmed inside big ben we filmed skyscrapers down finnish mine shafts we've gone inside nuclear fusion reactors of interviewed richard branson it's amazing stuff like it, it's incredible i cannot believe where this company's come to you know we've got 24 million viewers each month over 4 million subs across all of our you know, different uh youtube channels now it's huge it's huge huge stuff and it's kind of gone beyond my wildest dreams and for me, the best bit's always been seeing what it a what it's brought people who use it and learn from it and enjoy it and follow it and the difference it's made to their lives. But for me as well, like creating creating jobs for people and seeing them grow within the team has been awesome. Less so mm. with Liam, but um but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's um, <laughs> that for me's been a been a super rewarding bit. I think, you know, when people look at my life through instagram or from the outside it probably looks pretty pretty perfect you know there's nothing wrong here you've got loads of success you've got kids you've got a beautiful wife pretty buff pretty buff genetically (laughs) great calves (laughs) let's not forget that sort of stuff um Mm. but it's not the full story and i think this is why i want to talk about my journey a bit and lead into why we've come to take such a focus on mental health and construction because i've really come to understand mental health very differently in the last couple of years and i think it's important for people who you see in these positions uh who seem perfect on the internet who are in leadership positions quite frankly in the industry 
to be honest about what they're actually dealing with and going through and to normalize conversations around it because if we do that we start to realize that we're not comparing each other you know all the time we're not trying to compare ourselves to perfection other people all the time we're all dealing with stuff we're all human and this is something that can affect anybody and should be taken seriously i think luke you're one of your famous or famous but one of your best sayings you've ever said to me is uh comparison is the thief of joy mm-hmm. that's that's something that i really try to live by um because it can affect everything it can affect your relationship with family it can affect your relationships or fr- like your friendships uh everything and i think in a world where everything's on instagram and twitter and online or tiktok you know and kids are getting you know uh used to using these apps and these um platforms from such a young age you know that old scripture and it's a scripture um is it's it feels almost more relevant now than it's ever been you know so yeah it's very important yeah, I think there's a there's an attitude to that that says, well, just don't go on Instagram, just just turn it off and don't use the internet. And there are people that do that. I don't put a lot of my personal life on the internet. In fact, there aren't pictures of my kids, my home, or anything on the internet. I keep that pretty separate. But when mm. when you're trying to be an influencer for a business, you have to go on those places and you have to kind of cultivate a persona in a way that, that it is genuine. It is built on my real experiences, my real passion for construction. But naturally, you pick the good bits. So the bits that come out and that you see on social media are the successful things. They are the cool things I'm doing. They're new videos that are coming out. So naturally, you fall victim to that space where I'm probably perceived differently to how I am in reality. I am that I am that guy you see online. I'm, I'm like to think I'm genuine, down to earth, passionate about construction. But what you don't see is the other stuff. And I think for me, the last couple of years have been been hard you know i used to think i was just having bad days and i I talk about this in the in the video series we've uh, released on get construction talking it's a two-part video series it's coming out on 12th of july by the time many of you listen to this probably already out there on the internet so so go and watch that but i talk about this in the video a bit i kind of i've come to realize that i i predisposed to suffering from depression and i know that's going to shock a lot of people um, because I am very good at hiding it. I think people closest to me will be shocked by it. People that follow me will be shocked by it because I'm very good at bearing it away and turning it on and being very, you know, nice presenter guy on TV, on Instagram, on, on YouTube, um, and and surf- and surfing through the moment quite well. But behind the scenes is a it's a different story. I think the the big thing that I've learned is that it's not a choice; it's a sickness. You know, it, it, this is not who I am. I don't recognize myself when I go through it. And I think if you need any proof of that, just just look at the B1M. You know, depression couldn't have built the B1M. Optimism built the B1M. Total belief that you can make something happen no matter what, no matter what's thrown at you, no matter what setback comes your way. That is what built the B1M. And depression isn't who I am. It's not that I've decided to be miserable or that I've decided to be, you know, a bit fed up it's something that is it's it's an illness and people recognize that now and understand that more now not universally i think people some people do still think it's mm. it's you just being a bit miserable um but yeah that and that's for me the big thing that i've come to realize i thought this was just you know some people 
because of a number of specific circumstances can feel this way what i've learned the last couple of years is that actually this can affect anyone it's really refreshing to hear uh someone like yourself fred you know being very transparent about it and that's something that i've grown up with and something that i've um always appreciated because my dad um had depression for most of his adult life for all of the time that i knew him until he passed away and um my my brother and i I think we were brought up with with that kind of um, understanding of his mental health, you know, and my mum tried to instill that in us. You know, if my dad wasn't was feeling really rough on one day, you know, my mum would explain that. You know, if my dad did something and, you know, as a kid, you might think, why, what, you know, why is he like that? Yesterday, you know, he felt fine. You know, I think the the old thing in our family was my dad would feel really good while he was taking his meds you know his medication for it i mean and that's that's a different topic especially amongst men taking medicine for something like depression um but he would take it and then he would kind of feel like oh i'm cured now like i'm all good and then he would stop taking his tablets and he would kind of regress and he wouldn't necessarily see it at all. But like James and I, my brother and I would always like be able to tell. My mum would be able to tell. Um, but I think growing up with that, you know, I grew up with someone who was quite like a stereotypical like butch guy, did a lot of like work with his hands. He could take apart an engine, put it back together again. Really, really intelligent person. But for like various, various reasons, complex reasons, my dad always struggled with his mental health. And I always think like, I was very grateful for that growing up with that environment where my dad could be just himself and even on his bad days because he had a, you know, like yourself, Fred, what you said, a wonderful wife and my mum, you know, they could be very honest and go, look, dad's, dad's, dad's not having a great day today. So you need to use love. You need to exercise that love to be patient with, with us, with the family, with dad. And so, yeah, I've, I try to, you know, remember that as an adult and remember not everyone's having a great day, you know? Yeah, well said. Well said. I think what I've learned from this is I'm a lot more empathetic. You know, I've realized that some people, you, you have no idea what other people are going through in their heads sometimes. And people generally aren't assholes for no reason. Like generally there's, there's something going on there. Um, or mm. something's happened that day, or you know, there's there's a deeper issue you just don't know about. So I'm a lot more empathetic now about uh, situations I see people in and experiencing other people and dealing with other people, basically because of because of what I've been through with it. And I think you know, for me, I took that I had that base ingredient of being a bit predisposed to depression, having that sickness that I now realise is, is there. Um, and then this kind of recipe of stuff got thrown in. So I'm, I've got this always-on job role where I have to be always-on all the time. It's, it's relentless. The job role is relentless. The travel is relentless. The video demands are relentless. You have to put out a video every week on your channels. You have to be on top of breaking events. The moment I get out of bed in the morning, I've got to be strong husband, strong dad. Inevitably at work, I'm talking to someone who... I employ on the team who I want need to show positivity, leadership, vision to. I'm talking to members of the audience. I'm talking to customers, potential customers, investors. There's nowhere outside of the gym where I can actually be anonymous and not worry about how I'm being perceived. Throw in social media and the internet's yearning for perfection. I'm, I'm not, a, believe it or not, 
not a huge fan of what I look like. I don't really care what I look like. But I started to get mass unsolicited feedback about what I look like, which naturally makes you think, okay, I need to keep on top of my training. I need to keep on top of my skin regime. I need to make sure my hair is always cut. I need to make, make get some fresh clothes because there is that demand all the time from the internet for oh, perfection. Yeah. Then you throw in uh, the pressures of running a small business and steering a small business through a pandemic, steering a media business through a pandemic. Um, We had an investor back out halfway through the vision because their business uh, was going through some problems, completely separate to the B1M. So we had to do a lot of the vision on our own organically. I also had a herniated disc on my lower back, which I know I've talked about before on this podcast, but that kind of robbed me a lot of my exercise. And exercise, I now realize, is the thing that kind of balances me and keep me, keeps me very grounded and kept, really helped keep a lid on my depression. So I remember going through that exercise. I couldn't really tell if the back pain was causing me to feel frustrated and low or whether I was feeling frustrated and low, which was then triggering the back pain. It was kind of a bit of everything. It was a little bit of a cycle. Um, and coming out of that was tough. But yeah, you know, what I've just described is is not a great mix. It never stopped. There was no off switch. There was no way out. Short of me quitting and saying, "Sorry, I can't do this anymore. We're going to shut mm. down B one M. Loads of people are going to lose their jobs. People are going to lose money. The channel is going to disappear. Everything I've built and worked for on sacrifices for nothing, which for me is a pretty nuclear. <laughs> I know for many people that will feel like you know when businesses struggle or you're struggling you've got to just sort of call it a day and move on but for me that that felt like a nuclear option um that was that was hard and i think throwing into that as well i had a lot of expectations on me to be successful and the achievements of the b1m almost made that worse so you know it would be, i remember the the day we interviewed richard branson the other getting that richard branson interview was amazing i know i'm probably never going to interview anyone better than richard branson i probably peaked in that regard but um i people say to me like oh you've you've interviewed richard branson that's amazing what who are you going to interview next and they meant it in a you know very nice kind of excited way but i took that as a load of pressure like to oh my god who the bloody hell are we going to interview next how are we going to top that we've got to keep pushing keep going forward so we've got bigger better more growth and then when you go on social media and you see the growth of people like Mr. Beast and other channels that are close to yours or similar to yours doing better than you, it all feeds into that bloody hell, I need to go back to work, keep pushing, keep driving. This isn't over. Come on, push harder, work harder. So that kind of dynamic really plays into it. The other thing I had, and I, again, I, I sought counselling through this process. I don't mind saying I, I sought counselling for this. I did it in secret um, because I didn't want anyone to know about it because I felt embarrassed by it. Um, but I discovered from that that my private schooling was part of my journey. Uh, so my, I was I went to private school because my parents could afford to send me to private school and they wanted me to have the best education. You know, the right intentions were there. But it was a place where it was either high academia or rugby. And if you weren't good at either of those things, if you weren't like a blooming prodigy at maths and English or an absolutely jacked rugby player, then you weren't really celebrated and you were kind of labeled as a second tier person. Mm. So that kind of gave me like this huge need to try and prove myself to the world in later life, to become very jacked and muscular um, and to become successful to a level that I now realize is absurd. And I was doing that a lot through the B1M. I was doing it. I was kind of using the business in a way to try and prove myself to the world. 
and the business has become almost an intrinsic extension of me. So I constantly want it to go well, whether, you know, when things went well, I was on top of the world. When things went badly or struggled, I would really struggle as well. And I've got a lot better now at accepting what I've achieved, standing back and going, actually, you know what? This is huge. It's amazing. It's the biggest construction channel in the world. I interviewed Richard Branson. We're making videos that are getting tens of millions of views in some cases. It's influenced and shaped many people. We've created jobs all around the planet. You know, that is, that's huge. And I see that now and I've separated that now. And I think that's been a big part of the journey for me is, is, and this is the hard thing, if you guys relate to this, but the hard thing to me is living in the moment and accepting what you've got, celebrating what you've got today, but also being ambitious and driven for the future. I'm quite a driven person. So I think part of what's made me successful is not settling for what I've got, but always wanting the hunger, the hunger to be there where I'm pushing for something more that I haven't got. That's what helped me grow the company. So settling has been quite tough for me. I found that bit about, you know, trying to live in today and really take in what's around you, but also be pushing for tomorrow, a hard balancing act to to get. I don't know. I I get the whole thing with... (laughs) not settling for for the moment fred i typically do that in most most things i do you know you can say my partner's always like just enjoy the moment for what it is um you know for example it was all right save to buy a house bought the house still not happy it's like all right pay for the wedding pay for the wedding and then it's like all right we need to do renovations and it just keeps ticking over and over it's just just never settled um and she sort of says the same thing you know you just need to live in the moment now and enjoy what you have I find that super hard to do because I don't want to be too complacent, I think, in a sense. Um, and I like that drive of doing that. But then I also appreciate, I'm like, man, this is doing my, this is doing my head in. Just mm. constantly thinking about, you know, what's next. What You know, there's got to be something else to put your mind on kind of thing, if that makes sense. Makes 100% sense. And I think a lot of people will relate to that. doesn't matter what industry you're in, but... I think a lot of people relate to that. And I think that's kind of how um, the system has been built. The system's been built. So we're just continuously, you know, working. We're continuously focusing on, all right, what's next? It's like people don't take time to meditate on. And I don't mean, mean, you know, spiritual meditation necessarily. If that works for you, then cool. But like by definition, meditate on, you know, what you have at the moment. And that's something that I think I've tried to work on myself and even with in my family, you know, I, as, as you can tell, I'm really close to my family. I love my family. and I, I had a great upbringing. I had a quality upbringing and I'm not bitter about it whatsoever. And, um, you know, sadly, I've lost not not my dad. I mentioned I lost my dad earlier, but like, I've lost my mum as well. I've lost both of them to cancer in more or less a, a, a short space of time, which is really unusual. You know, they're both in their 50s, both in their 50s. And so I think just experiencing that alone you know, has made me as a person go, you know, like at the end of the day, it's not, it's not the be all and end all. Yeah. Your pension pot, my mom and dad didn't even get to their pension. Do you know what I mean? So you have to live life in a way that you, you, you enjoy little things every day. It doesn't mean that like you have to go, Oh, I have to live a crazy life and do stuff. I want to do every single day. Well, 
life is full of things you don't want to do. And sometimes that's a good thing. You know, that's part of growth and improving yourself and people around you. But I don't know. I, I, I think a, there's a there's a lot of room for people to be able to just slow down and take in what they've achieved and how fortunate they are, particularly um, and I, I don't think this is a rule, you know, there are there are exceptions to this, but particularly among men. I think men aren't always good at slowing down and realizing what they have and meditating on life a little bit. You guys will, will find this funny, but part of the back pain for me that meant that I couldn't do as much training as I wanted to. So I was forced to kind of watch my body kind of go backwards and get <laughs> get kind of, you know, less fit and less in shape which was really frustrating um mm. so when i was able to kind of get through that and i have to say the living with back pain has taught me a whole new level of mental discipline like living with pain every day but still being able to focus on what you can do each day and make the most of the situations you have got um is is important thing to do and that's not easy when you're in pain all the time you find ways to manage it you find ways to get through it you find ways to focus on like say what you have got rather than what you haven't got um, but I remember when I, I pushed through the pain and gradually got my training back, I started training my legs again, I started training my body again, and now I'm back to a, a really great place where I never thought I'd be a year ago, my health and fitness, which is amazing. Um, but those those pictures I put on Instagram, my shirt off, were a huge part of me uh, kind of accepting what I had my body. I kind of realized that I was never going to look that good again. I'm 37 today. And every day that goes by, I'm probably not going to look as good as I did the day before because <laughs> I'm getting older. Um, so just putting those out there, you know, I've, I've never even taken my shirt off on a beach before those pictures. This is, I'm just, it's not the kind of guy I am really. I like mm. to, I don't think I'm in very good shape. But sticking that up and getting the validation that I did from that and getting people to say, you know, actually you're in really good shape was was huge for me. It's a big part of me accepting what I look like and I think accepting what I look like has been a big part of this journey for me as well particularly in a space like I said about earlier you know social media where you've got unsolicited comments all the time about how big your arms are how big your chest is looking this week whether you've laid off the training or been eating too much not eating enough or how much grey hair you've got you know it's horrible stuff most of the time that that's given me a lot more immunity to all that now i don't really care what people say i just i know that i'm i'm me i'm focusing on the outbound stuff i'm doing and what i what i am and that's it you know so yeah deeper deeper meaning behind the topless photos but you weren't expecting that no well it's kind of paradoxical in a way isn't it that you've you know you enjoy something as much as like the gym and you know exercising and doing weights and stuff and that it's therapy for you and that it's almost like created this other like challenge for your mental health. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really think of that if I'm being completely honest, mate, that's, no, that is I, a bit I, of a surprise. And I didn't see it coming. This is the other right. thing I didn't, I didn't expect anyone to comment on what I looked like because no one ever had in my life. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's only when it got the B1M got to a certain size that I think it, it started to go that way, which was which was weird. Yeah, um, it's difficult. This is the next bit is a really difficult thing for me to say, but I I want to say it. I don't want to. I don't want to cause this with. You know what I'm about to say. I don't want to cause upset to people. Um, but I remember a, a lot of that place I was in through 21, 22, um, did leave me feeling like I 
didn't want my life to go on. And I should say that wasn't something that I was in the advanced stages of. I didn't have a plan for it. I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, at that stage. But I remember having those those few moments where the kind of darkness would creep in. And I just think I just don't really want the next chapter of my life to be written because I'm just so I'm so low. And that that experience absolutely scared the life out of me. Yeah, I remember seeing the statistics about suicide and it was guys in their mid-30s up to their kind of early 50s and that it always surprised me. It shocked me. I always used to think, yeah, this is that's terrible. What on earth is, is going on with these people for them to feel that way? It's a, it's, it's a real tragedy. But I didn't think it would ever happen to me because I was a normal person. I was a normal person. I was healthy. And then I found myself there in my mid-30s kind of staring down the barrel of it and like i said it absolutely scared the life out of me and from that i have to say in that moment and it was kind of a moment where i felt like i had nothing left i know that will feel um shocking to people listening because when you look at my life on paper i've got everything i've got a house i've got a beautiful wife two fantastic healthy kids a great business uh, growing global fame you, you look at my life and go what what the, what's the matter fred i remember being cross at myself thinking what the bloody hell is the matter with you fred come on mm. um, but when i got down to that moment it was the thought of my family and specifically the thought of my kids that stopped me going further and doing something stupid um but it was a tough period because once you decided that you don't want to end your life but you're not enjoying your life you're kind of stuck in this cycle where everything's a bit crap basically and a bit miserable mm. so somehow from that and i remember thinking that that moment i kind of i'd really hit rock bottom you know i went to a couple of friends weddings and i just like i couldn't talk to people i couldn't engage with people i didn't know what to say i just wanted it to be over i went and sat around the the bins by the kitchen at one point just to get some space on my own it, it, I was just, I just wasn't myself at all. It was, it was, it was a scary time. But hitting rock bottom for me, kind of enabled me to see what I did have, what mattered in my life, and then to rebuild from there. And step by step, I sought counselling. I tried to deal with a lot of the baggage I had, the people who I was worried about having expectations on me. I caught up with them. I spoke to them. I understood that they had a lot of mental health problems of their own. They didn't really care about me. They'd already thought that I was successful. They always had, they already had a perception of me as being a, a fantastic, successful person. So I didn't need to worry about trying to prove myself to the world anymore. Um, so dealing with all that really helped me start to rebuild and come forward. And I have to say, I'm in a much stronger position for having hit rock bottom and come back up again. And having rebuilt, I'm in a stronger place. It would be a really inspiring part of this for me to say on the podcast that I've turned it all around. I've sorted my life out. Here are three things you can do to to get better. But the truth, the truth is, I haven't. It doesn't work like that. It's a journey. Um, I know what the signals are. I know what the factors are now, and I'm working every day to manage it and grow forward with it, with what I've built and what I've come back from. Um. But it's not easy. It's it's not easy at all. And for me, saying these words out loud is is difficult. Talking about this out loud has been difficult because for a long time I worried about what people would think. 
you know, I, I going back to that kind of perception stuff I spoke about earlier, I would worry about customers or investors going, oh, is Fred okay? Is he a bit unstable? What's he going to be like today? Is he a safe bet? Mm. Can, can we invest in him? Can we spend mm. with him? You know, and it, it mattered to me. I wanted to be a strong dad, strong business leader. So unfortunately, I was even told by people in, in the older generation to keep going, put a strong face on, and uh, don't let the world see you see you crack, which, I mean, spoiler alert for anyone listening, that's really bad advice. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. But yeah, I think yeah, the other thing for me is that this is outside of this conversation and the work we're doing with Get Construction Talking, no one saw any of this. I did all of this behind the scenes and um, it was, yeah, I remember winning, fighting and winning these huge battles every day sometimes that no one knew about. No one saw. I remember having a huge fight with myself just to get into work and start the day because of how I was feeling and the pressure I was under. Um, but yeah, that's and that's what made me realise. I think from from an empathy point of view, I've realised that anyone could be going through this. You just don't know. And yeah, I understand a lot more now about how a how widespread this issue is, and b how good people can be at putting a brave face on and and hiding it do you do you think thanks for sharing that by the way mate it's it's i i don't want to say nice but it's um i appreciate what you're saying and i appreciate your transparency but um i don't know do do you think that like if society were more open about this sort of thing and if the industry you know particularly uh, in business, you know, you mentioned about like seeing clients and stuff. If they were all a bit more understanding, and if there was a little bit more transparency about this kind of thing, then your story in this instance would be like different. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm conscious that people listening to this that haven't been through this experience or don't know anyone that's been through this experience will find this hard to relate to uh, mm. or understand. Um, and, and I was in that place before. I was in that category before this happened to me. I did. I didn't. I didn't see it coming. Honestly, I think. I think you're right, Luke. I think the human emotion thing is at odds with the business world and capitalism, and the need for every graph you see pointing upwards and things going successful and growth happening and you delivering results. But if there's one thing I've learned from running a small company and building the B1M, it's that it all runs on people and people matter. People are going to drive your revenue. They're going to drive your bottom line. They're going to drive your business. And if your people aren't functioning properly, if they're not mm. well, if they're not performing at their best, if they're under too much pressure, if there's circumstances there that are making them feel the way they feel and struggle with their mental health, then that's you're not going to get anywhere. You know, People are what drive businesses. And this issue can affect anyone so we need to be thinking about it we need to understand it in business and work better at creating the environment where it's recognized and understood and i'm not saying that we all go around all the time asking each other how we feel and being very understanding and having you know loads of time off or anything like that i'm just talking about a bit more compassion and understanding that we're all human beings and if we want to be successful we need to 
respect the fact that we are human beings that need physical and mental well-being to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was in going through that experience, obviously, which I've just described, that I came to realize, naturally, I looked around at mental health resources and I came across what's been going on in construction. And that's really where Get Construction Talking's come from. So I, it's shocking stuff. I was <laughs> shocked to find that the uh, industry with the highest suicide rate in the United Kingdom is the construction sector. Uh, and that's the same in Australia. It's one of the highest ranked industries in Australia. Same in the US as well. It's shocking, shocking stuff. The construction sector seems to struggle with mental health more than any other industry. And it's particularly prevalent among men. And as we all know, the construction industry is still heavily male dominated. Now, there's a lot of, there's a big range of mental health, obviously, but the, the, the extreme end, it's costing lives. Uh, and as I said, the highest suicide rates of any industry in, in many countries around the world. It's, I want to be very clear here, the causes of that are very nuanced and unique to individuals. You know, it's, it's the circumstances of feeling that way um, or struggling with the mental health are unique to all of us. But some general research has found that there's many factors that contribute to the problem in construction, including things like long working hours, um, excessive travel requirements. Uh, Logan is a guy we interviewed in the video series. He talks about that. He talks about driving a thousand miles a week to his job, which is very much the kind of culture in construction. Um, tough payment practices, people putting, particularly men, putting a brave face on sharing their feelings, you know, uh, putting putting on a brave face and avoiding sharing their feelings. You know, that, that all contributes to this environment where construction can end up having uh, a high, struggling more with mental health and having a higher suicide rate than than other industries um it's preventable but the industry has this really intense focus on physical safety uh, which has been partly driven by by legislation mental safety and well-being when you look at the documentation when you go and look at the the law in the US UK Australia the health and safety law mental well-being uh, mental safety is always in the kind of nice to have best practice category it's not a mandated thing which i've which i found yeah i found pretty shocking what do you guys what do you guys think of this because i know we have talked about construction a lot on the world's best construction podcast but this kind of silent pandemic that's going on amongst its people really shocked me what do you guys think of it yeah, I, I find it really shocking as well, mate. It's, uh, when you mentioned there's a lot of emphasis on safety, like physical safety on a site, just because you can see it, right? Um, that That's so true. I mean, yeah, look at safety practices over the years, just just there's huge focus on that um, around the world. And, and like you say, there's not that much attention focused on actual mental health. Which is quite quite alarming, really. When you hear mm. that out loud, it's 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 quite alarming. There's, it's almost ironic, isn't it, that you can put so much attention and care into the physical aspect, and yet if your industry is going through what you said, what you coined, Fred, uh, like a silent pandemic, and you're not really doing much about that, it just seems completely bizarre completely bizarre to go to that extent to have that physical safety and not the mental one 
Yeah, and there's a lot of debate around this because often when people go to that extreme level of actually actually dying as a result of the mental health problems, you know, by by taking their own lives, that action will normally occur away from a construction site. Not always, but normally away from a construction site. So there's this argument in the minute about whether it's the responsibility of construction to recognize those issues when they're not happening on construction sites. But the entire working environment, the dynamic, the factors, the pay structure, the pressure, the shift patterns, all of it contributes to people feeling the way they feel. So the industry has a key responsibility here. You know, the statistic, uh, this is from the Lighthouse Charity, uh, which is a construction mental health charity in the UK, that, you know, on average, two people take their own lives every day in just the UK construction industry. If two people were dying on site a day in this industry, the industry would be shut down. There would be legislation brought in immediately. It would not be tolerated. But for some reason, this, as I said, this kind of silent pandemic that's unfolding worldwide is is getting through the through the net. I think I think because people don't know about it, and it's not talked about so much. Um, now the, the big thing for me, obviously, this, this is a huge issue, right? It's complex. Tackling it is complex. As I said, there's lots of things the industry needs to do to change. But I think one of the most simple things we can all start doing today is just talking about it and getting it out there a bit more. I think if we can all become more aware of mental health, we can normalise conversations around it, get rid of the stigma. If we can try and spot the signs in our colleagues, in the people we're working with every day, that something might not be right and point them in the direction of support, then I think collectively we can start to move this dial on this issue at a grassroots level. And I think this is this is why it matters, because we're not talking about a mental health initiative. We're not talking about people with lanyards saying, you know, I'm a mental health first aider or anything like that. All those things are important. But at the end of the day, the person that's going to recognize that someone else isn't quite right is the person that knows them best, the person that's sitting with them in a van every day, that's working with them on site every day, that travels with them from job to job every day. So if those people can become more aware of mental health and know what the signs are and just have that basic conversation with their mates, which is like, you know, hey, mate, are you all right? You don't seem yourself lately. You haven't seen yourself mm. lately. Is everything all right? You, I know things are tough lately. How are you doing? You know, just those basic conversations, I think, can help make a big difference in helping people to open up, share how they're feeling and be pointed towards support if they then need it. And that, that I think, is how we start to tackle this issue at grassroots level in the industry. Yes, as I said, big things need to change upstairs in the in the structure of the industry and how it works. But from grassroots, we need to just start talking to each other. So Get Construction Talking, funnily enough, is very much founded on that objective. Um, I knew in going through what I went through that there... I've built this huge megaphone with the B1M. What I'm good at is talking to many, many people in construction. Um, what I'm not good at is diagnosing or treating mental health problems. So I want to use the power of what we've built with the B1M and the power of Procore, who are sponsoring this initiative with us, to raise the profile of mental health in construction, help millions of people understand how they can start to help today for free. There's no barriers to entry to this. Um I'm really lift up some of the established construction mental health charities so that they can you know be better enabled to to deal with this issue both financially uh, and also have more people coming to their door. So 
as I said, this is all about using what we're good at, reaching many people, to raise awareness of this issue and to help them get support from the organizations that are really good at providing uh, mental health first aid, mental health guidance and training for the sector. Um, So yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited that we're using the B1M to tackle an issue that is incredibly close to my heart that I think matters and that resonates with so many people worldwide. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. Initiative launches on the 12th of July, which is Wednesday in London, big event in London, Hamiel Theatre. By the time we listen to this, as I said, it probably will have uh, happened and come out. So there's a two-part series uh, online on YouTube channel, which you can go and watch all about mental health in construction. That is free to view on our YouTube channel, so you can uh, please share it across your organisations, among colleagues. Um, It really matters to me. It's really important that we put mental health in front of our big audience in that way, which is great. There's also a portal over at getconstructiontalking.org. There's a podcast series. So we've got this podcast, which you're listening to right now. There's also going to be a dedicated mental health podcast series. We're going to talk to other people uh, in the industry and get their experiences and insight too. Uh, also free events program so it's all going on it's all going on and um very excitingly guys the b1m tube ads are coming back we're doing mental health tube ads this year i love a tube ad i, d- I need to get a photo with this one because i missed the last one so yeah, yeah can, you, can you share dates and tube stations or is that too early man uh, it's a little bit too early. I, th- I know it's going to be definitely at Piccadilly Circus because the uh, launch event is happening at, at Piccadilly Circus. Yeah, Hamiard Hotel in London is near Piccadilly Circus. So it's happening there. Oxford Circus, I believe Waterloo, Tottenham Court Road. We're, we're going big on this one, guys. It's going to be uh, it's going to be everywhere, which is going to be really, really good. Um, and not just good fun for us and the initiative, because I do love seeing a tube poster up that you've designed. It's very, very, very cool. Um, but I think taking that step further to help really further raise awareness of this issue not just in construction but among the wider public as well you know construction if we're trying to attack the they're trying to attract the best talents we're trying to build in a more efficient way we're trying to help this industry tackle climate change we cannot be the number one ranked industry for bad mental health and suicide you, you just it just can't be like that we need to tackle this issue and sort it out urgently and i think people who don't grasp the urgency are not grasping the scale of the problem here you know Mm. all of these issues i've just described affordable housing building better cities building in a green sustainable way uh building in a way that helps us tackle climate change attracting more talent to the industry dealing with automation dealing with the rise of ai all of that is founded on having great people in this sector so we've got to deal with this mental health issue we really have it's it's critical as far as i'm concerned it's been amazing listening to your passion your own experiences on this mate and the fact that you know we're in a position and you're in a position where you can dedicate energy to such a important topic you know and a lot of what we talk about on the b1m even though we have a joke and we have a laugh even on the podcast you know a lot of it is really important this is arguably one of the most important industries in the whole world and so the fact that this just is spoken about so little, hopefully get construction talking can change that kind of narrative a little bit. And uh, Hey, if this sa- saves someone's life, then it's worth it, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we're going big with this, but if it only affects one person, it makes one person feel better. If one person listens to this podcast and 
is inspired to take the first step or realize that it's not that bad and other people have been through it too, then I hope, yeah, that it will have all been worth it. It would have all been worth it if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say thanks for sharing, Fred. It takes a lot of courage to to share your personal experiences on a on a platform like the B one M mate. And I'm sure um I'm sure this messaging that you you've 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 been saying throughout this whole episode will, you know, help a lot of people. Definitely. Well thanks for you guys for letting me uh let me chat about it and being being the kind of mates that I can talk about it too. I think I'm um, I have to say you guys have been there for me throughout this journey and ch- tuning in to record this podcast every week has kept me um kept me smiling with lots of good bants. So <laughs> it's always <laughs> um, always cheered me up. So thanks guys. I think and I make that point more seriously as well. Like having good mates around you at times like this is exactly what you need. And yeah. I just just don't be afraid of asking your mates. You know, there's, there's they like you, they care about you. Um you can have a good chat with your mates. Sometimes it's, they're the easiest people to talk to sometimes, depending on who your mates are, obviously. Um, I don't know who your mates are. But <laughs> um, some people, even Liam can be a good listener sometimes. I've had some good chats with Liam um, on <laughs> airport, airport platforms and <laughs> you know, long-haul travel. Uh, guys, it goes without saying, we want to hear from you on this issue. So if you've been affected by this uh, or you have something to share on this or you want to learn more, Get your messages coming in at podcast at the B1M.com. Mental health is going to be a bit of a theme running forward on the podcast. We're going to check in with it on a regular basis as we update you on Get Construction Talking. Uh, we're happy to read out your messages and talk about this issue as well. It's an important issue and it needs to be out there and talked about more widely. Uh, you can also donate to getconstructiontalking.org. So if you want to help in some way, your organization can back Get Construction Talking. We're doing a list of supporters. Uh, you can also donate, as I said, via getconstructiontalking.org. Donations open from the 12th of July, 2023. You can go on there, donate any money. Any money you donate would be much appreciated. All of it is going to established construction mental health charities. Uh, they are, in the USA, the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention, which is not the snappiest of names, but uh, CIASP, that is the Construction Industry Alliance for Suicide Prevention. Uh, in the UK, the Lighthouse Charity. Uh, also in the UK, Mates in Mind and Construction Sports. Uh, and then over in Australia and New Zealand, a fantastic charity called Mates in Construction. Just to say, uh, if you or someone that you know is in need of support, then the best thing to do is to contact either your GP uh, or your local mental health resources. Particularly in construction, some of the charities that might be able to help include many of the ones I just said. So in the US... CIASP for construction is a good uh, one to reach out to first off. Lighthouse and Mates in Mind are good to reach out to in the UK and Ireland. And in Australia and New Zealand, Mates in Construction, uh, as I said, really great charity down there doing really good work across those two big countries, um, helping make a difference on this issue. So, yeah, if you're struggling, sorry to hear that. And that's obviously not what I want to hear because I've... uh, I've been to this myself and I know exactly what it's like, but those are some resources you can you can point to and get information from. Worth saying, guys, we are back next week with the standard World's Best Construction Podcast with uh, lots more bants uh, than you were expecting previously. Uh, more comments, more also in the news, more great stories to talk about. But um, yeah, I hope this podcast makes a difference to people that have listened and that you share it and feel able to share it again in the future. 